You're listening to Reading Glasses, a show about book culture and literary life designed to help you read better. I'm author and book devourer Mallory O'Mara. And I'm Bria Grant, filmmaker and e-reader. This episode, we're talking about some very specific terms for some very specific readery things, feelings, thoughts, notions. <laughs> They're book words, words related to things in the book community that maybe you've heard of, maybe you haven't, but maybe you could add to your vocabulary. Very yes. exciting. But first, what are you reading, Bria? Um, I just finished a book for my book club, um, uh, which you've probably read. It's The Girl Who Loved Tom Gordon by Stephen King. I have read that. I enjoyed yeah. that book. Yeah, it's um, it came out in 2005. Uh, no, it came out in 99. came out in, in 99. Um, and it is about a nine-year-old girl who gets lost in the woods. And uh, I will say, I don't want to spoil anything, but basically it's just about her being lost in the woods. If you're enjoying something along the lines of yellow jackets or something else right now. It's very it's very much in that vein. If, if you also like woods, scary woods stuff, um, it's very good for that. And I will say, I thought the ending really worked, which, you know, you know, people have disagreements about Stephen King endings. And I feel like this one, this one delivered for me. I won't tell you what it was. Um, but I, I really liked it. It was a good book club pick. Um, you know, what are you reading? it's funny. I feel like that book came out, remember like in the 90s, there were tons of books about like kids getting lost in the wilderness and having to survive. I guess that is true. I always think to myself... They're always like, oh, I remember from uh, Girl Scouts that I can eat this berry. And I'm like, what the fuck? Like, I don't even, I was a Girl Scout for a little yeah, while. Yeah, I didn't get taught jack shit in Girl Scouts. I learned how like, to, like, no. make bracelets. I didn't know how to learn how to eat berries. No, Ugh, no, but they always, they always can, like, identify some berry or some. In this one, she's able to identify uh, fiddle ferns. Fiddleheads. Fiddle, fiddlehead ferns or whatever. Yeah, yeah. and, uh, uh, yeah, and. I'm like, I've eaten those, and I still couldn't identify them. <laughs> like, I know what those are, but I, if you were like, are these edible? I'd be like, I have no idea. They look like green stuff in the woods, um, which is why I don't camp. Yeah, there's so many never of those get books. Lost in the woods. There, yeah. I, there was like this inflated fear when, because like growing up in the 90s, I was like, all right, I'm reading all these books. I have to learn how to fight piranhas. I have yeah. to learn how to avoid quicksand. <laughs> I need to know how to survive in the wild. Like, all these very inflated fears that never really mm -hmm. came to pass. It's very true. So far. Very true. What are you reading, Mallory? I am reading a four chili rating scary book. Wow, wow, wow. That I think you'll really like by friend of the show, Christopher Golden. It's his new book, Road of Bones. Oh, yeah, exciting. It is wicked fucking scary. <laughs> it's really, really good. It's about this man, uh, this American man. He's a documentarian. He's been working in kind of like reality TV his entire life. And he is very much at the end of his rope. Like none of his, pro all his projects have fallen through. He owes a lot of money to a lot of people. And so he's gambling it all on this one last pitch, this one last project that takes place in Siberia along this road called the Road of Bones. And it's called that because when this road was being built across Siberia, it was the conditions were so terrible that hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of people died. So basically Jesus. like, and they were 
buried under the road. So there's this, there's all these ghost stories about the road and all the, like he basically wants to create this series of people who live along this road and these like very difficult, you know, climate conditions, uh, the ghost stories and stuff. And he's, he's along with his friend who's basically his last friend that's willing to, you know, bet on him and give him money and support him. And these two men are going along this road and they meet up with their guide and it's fair. They're having a very hard time because, you know, it's like negative 40 degrees and they end up getting to the the town, the little town that they're supposed to stay in um, while they're like record, like uh, filming their pitch reel and um, no one's there. Everyone's gone in this town. And it goes from there. I don't want to spoil too much, but it gets, it's so, so scary. And, um, I, I just don't want to spoil anything, but it is, uh, if you, if you are like, if you're the kind of person who writes into the show and you're like, I need to know how scary this is. Cause I don't like scary things. This is not the book for you. If you <laughs> are the kind of person who writes into the show, that's like, I want the scariest shit you got. This is the book for you. It is. It's absolutely fantastic. Highly recommend. Uh, so that's road of bones by Christopher golden. And mine is the girl who loved Tom Gordon by Stephen King. By the way, I should mention, uh, Tom Gordon is a baseball player, and I didn't mm-hmm. know that when I started reading this book. So if you were like, who the hell is Tom Gordon? But Specifically, he's, already- he's a Red Sox player. Very important. Wow, wow, wow. In New England war. Um, uh, the Girl Loved Tom Gordon by Stephen King. That's what I'm reading. So we want to take a moment to share some listener feedback. Tim wrote in, I learned about this podcast after stumbling upon the lady from the Black Lagoon. Thank you for reading it, Tim. Uh, Tim says, the real reason I wrote to you both today is because one day when I picked my daughter up from daycare, I had this podcast on. I expected her to object, maybe request wheels on the bus, but instead she sat pleasantly. So the next morning I put your podcast back on and again, she listened attentively, even responding a time or two to something one of you said to the other. Then she started to request the girl on our way to daycare. <laughs> she does still ask for some soundtrack jams from time to time, but overall the girls has definitely become our go-to listen each morning on the drive to daycare, which horrifies me because I swear so much. <laughs> I, this both makes me happy, but also freaks me out a little bit. Wow. I like, I mean, I know. And are we giving good advice? Are we giving good for, good for, advice for Tim's child? I'm not sure, but. For, for uh, the five and under crowd, I don't future know. Future readers of the world? I think yes. Maybe she's going to grow up and she's just going to become a huge reader. Tim, I'm just so sorry that I swear so much. I apologize in advance, but I am very honored that you are (laughs) sharing this podcast with your daughter. Sarah wrote in, one of our mini Sarahs, wrote in, uh, I wanted to write in with my non-wheelhouse. After having a kid a few years ago, I had I had bad postpartum anxiety and a few OCD flare-ups. Sorry to hear about that. Uh, mix all this in with working a stressful job and my brain is just tired. I used to have a solid wheelhouse and went through a lot of novels. In fact, my wheelhouse was basically part of my identity, but novels now stress me out too much. Part of my journey has been letting go of my identity wheelhouse, in quotes. I still, still read almost every day, but now it looks a lot different. So here's my new Sarah 2.0 non-wheelhouse. Comics, romance comics, adventure comics, light horror comics, online comics, and plant reference books, but only those with, you guessed it, pictures. Reading with pictures makes my brain happy. As a bonus, my daughter likes that her picture books look like my books. She picked up an old novel, uh, uh, she picked an old novel off my shelf today and was like, what is this? Also, Bria, thank you for Mary. <laughs> Love it. Oh, you're welcome. This is great. I love this idea of reassessing your wheelhouse at different times of your life and acknowledging that you are maybe not the person you were 5, 10, 15, 20 years ago. 
And it's absolutely okay to do this. I definitely think that some of us, like Sarah said, get attached to our reading identities and feel like it's part of ourselves. Mm -hmm. And it's sometimes hard to let that go. But look at now new Sarah 2.0 is reading a ton and super happy and not being bogged down with things that she doesn't want. I think this is absolutely amazing. Yeah, we may owe an episode on this. Uh, your wheelhouse 2.0. How have you changed from your wheelhouse, wheelhouse re- resurrection? Yeah, wheelhouse yeah, rebirth. yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, so you can email us at readingglassespodcast at gmail.com. If you want a list of all the books we talk about on the show delivered to your inbox every month, you can sign up for our newsletter. There's a link in the show notes. So before we talk about some very specific reader terms, we're going to take a quick break. Reading Glasses is sponsored in part this week by Curology. No two breakouts are exactly alike. This time of year, maybe your skin's breaking out because it's dry. Maybe your skin's breaking out because you have to wear a mask all the time. Maybe your skin's breaking out because it's winter and you're eating a lot of candy and chocolate to make yourself feel better. I know that I am. But you can target your skin's unique triggers with a custom formula made just for you from proven prescription ingredients. No more getting lost in the skincare aisle. Wow, y'all, I can spend a lot of time in a skincare aisle trying to figure out what is right for me. I'm like, I have dry skin. I have dark spots on my skin. I'm a freckly person. So my skin is going to have a lot of spots on it all of the time. Like, I'm always like, where did this come from? What is this discoloration? (laughs) There's a lot of things that seem like they are going to help. Well, guess what? Curology takes the pain out of finding the right products by sending you a full dermatologist-designed routine, a cleanser, a moisturizer, and a custom formula made for you your goals. Mallory, I I know we both got this in the mail. I really enjoyed it. I liked having this person. You take a photo of yourself and send it and send it if you want. It's not required. But I loved it. I loved having a person look at my face and go, ooh, I know what you need. I know what's going on here. Because <laughs> I have a lot of lines. I have a lot of things that I need addressing. And they sent me a custom formula. And it was very exciting. And I started seeing it work. It was really impressive. Yeah. Sometimes when I'm in the skincare aisle or, you know, like looking online at skincare stuff, by the time I get through all of it, I don't even know what my skin is like. I don't even know what I need. I am so confused and I wish I could just like reach out to someone and be like, here is my face. Help me with my face. And that's exactly what Curology does. Uh, It's, I I loved it. And I will say after our last ad, we got uh, a bunch of reading glasses listeners who reached out and were like, I use Curology. I absolutely love it. It is, it's the only thing that's helped me uh, with whatever's going on with my skin. Um, it's I I absolutely love it all all, all this great glasser feedback um, and we we've already heard back from people who've started to try it it's just so nice skin is so specific you know we're talking mm. about specific words for things in this episode but everyone's skin is different and uh, I really like the fact that you could just like take this really easy quiz send in photos and get this custom formula and when I started using it normally when I try new using a a new thing like I break out or I get red mm. that did not happen to me oh, with that's this. Great. That's great. And they offer a cleanser, a moisturizer, a body wash, and now even a lip balm. I have really enjoyed this moisturizer, though. I have to tell y'all. I have yeah. been, I am really impressed with it. I have gone through many a moisturizer in my life, and I find them all not to be totally, this was a, a really good, it is the three bears of moisturizers. It's not too heavy. <laughs> it's not too light. It's not too greasy. It's just right. 
So you can get started with Curology with a free 30-day trial at Curology.com slash glasses. All you have to do is pay $5 for shipping and handling. So that's, you get to try this whole system for free for 30 days. That's Curology, C-U-R-O-L-O-G-Y.com slash glasses to start your free, with $5 shipping and handling, 30-day trial. You can cancel it at any time. I mean, my, what's the, what's to lose? Try it for a mm-hmm. month. See if you like it. Um, you know, the prescription is subject to consultation, but it's super, super easy to do. And uh, yeah, get started today. That's curology.com slash glasses. Glasses. Hi, I'm Biz. And I'm Teresa. And we're the hosts of One Bad Mother, a podcast about parenting. Parenting is hard and we have no advice, but we do see you doing it. Honk if you like to do it. (laughs) Didn't we have a bumper sticker a while back that was like, honk if you did it. That's what it was. I think it was honk if you're doing it. (laughs) (laughs) Why did we not ever make those? Those We did make them. I think they're still in the Max Fun store. (laughs) Honk, honk. You're doing it. (laughs) (laughs) Thanks, Biz. So are you. Each week, we'll be here to remind you that you're doing a good job. You can find us on MaximumFun.org. Honk, honk. Toot, toot. This week... Being a reader is a hobby, a passion, if you will, that involves some very specific feelings and behaviors. Often on the show, we're constantly like, we wish there were words for these very specific things that we're feeling and thinking. So we did some research and we found some very specific bookish terms that you might need to start using. Bria, Mm -hmm. what is the first one that we found? All right, first term you could integrate into your life, a bookerazzi. It's like the word paparazzi, but it is books. The bookerazzi is slang for someone who takes photos of their books and posts them on- online. You you too could be a bookerazzi. I just want to say, I also think this could include if you take a picture of authors and put them online, but that's just oh, me. Oh, I was just imagining like a book coming out of the library with like big sunglasses it's on like, and no, someone no, snapping not right photos. Now. <laughs> please, no. please. Please don't, please don't take my photo. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So if you have a, a friend who is always posting very nice photos of your of their books on Instagram, they might be a bookerazzi. They might be a bookerazzi. All right, what's the next one? This is one of my favorite ones, Mallory. This is also one of my favorite ones. It's called mm-hmm. it's book bosoms. No, nope, not book bosoms. Book bosomed. <laughs> Book bosoms are something entirely different. (laughs) Book bosomed is, so it's a term attributed to Sir Walter Scott, and it means someone who carries a book all the time. So like you're carrying a stack of books close to your bosom. So you're book bosomed. I fucking love this. I am definitely Mm -hmm. very book bosomed. I can imagine this on um, someone's like uh, like dating page, you know, where yes. it's like looking for someone as book bosomed as me. And if you know what it means, wow, automatic match. <laughs> Super like on Tinder. Mm-hmm. Uh, what's the next one? Here's one that I feel like people use a lot, and I use it, is the book shelfie or the library shelfie or just the shelfie. I will call something just a shelfie, which is a self-portrait of books uh, shared on social media. You can be in it or it's just the books. 
I think it kind of goes through a range of things. But I think we're all using this one pretty regularly. Yeah, I think that I it, I feel like this came into uh, use about five years ago, and now it's like all over the book yeah. world. Um, mm-hmm, I, we mm-hmm. actually, even on the Reading Glasses Slack, we have a shelfie channel, I think. Oh, oh we do. Yeah, show right. off photos of their books and their book carts and their bookshelves and their bookcases. I love it. I, I love looking at shelfies. I will look at shelfies mm-hmm. all the live long day. Let oh, me yeah. see pictures of your books. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Show me your books. What's the next <laughs> one, Mallory? Scrollmate is re- this, er, is the next word, and it is really, really cute. Scrollmate instead of soulmate. I love it. Uh, it's so it's, that means it's an author with, with whom you have a deep connection as a reader. I do like this one, but I feel like the word itself is a little misleading because scrollmate makes me think that you're – it's someone you're reading with. Like, yeah. for me, it feels like you're someone, like, you're at home and you're both scrolling the same text or something. So it yeah. is a little confusing to me, this one. But I like the idea of it. I do like the idea. I'm trying to think, who would be your scrollmate? My scrollmate? Like, someone who, an, an author, author with who whom? I feel a deep connection yes. with. Sean and McGuire or somebody like that? Yeah, mine would be, definitely be Shirley Jackson. Yeah. Maybe Mary Roach. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Helen Oyeyemi or my scroll mates. Folks, mm-hmm. write in. Tell us who your scroll mates are. Butler would probably be one of mine. Oh, yeah. I was I was wondering for you to whip out some more sci-fi. Uh, mm-hmm. Yeah, folks, tell us who your scroll mates are. This is very, very mm-hmm. cute. Mm-hmm. Uh, what's the next one? Very cute one. Beklempt. Book <laughs> clempt, if you're spelling it out, but like beklempt, I assume is how you pronounce this, which is the state of resulting from the completion of the last book in a series for which there are no books left and you're not yet emotionally prepared to begin a new series. I think we've been calling this a book hangover. A book hangover, or I think, but I think we've been using it specifically for any book. Mm -hmm. Like you finish a book and you're like, I wish I had that book again. But this is this one they're using specifically for a series. But I feel like this could translate. Yeah, you know how I feel about language. Language you can use however you think you see fit. And so I think this one could translate to any sort of book. We actually get a lot of um, a lot of emails about this from readers who are like, "Help me! I just finished a series and I don't want to read anything else. What do I do besides continue to just read the series over and over again for the rest of my life?" I'm so this is a word for you. Book clamped with two K's. What's the next one, Mallory? <laughs> uh, this is another one that we can all relate to. It's angst anticipation. Uh, uh-huh. So it's the feeling experience when you finish the latest book in a series and it ends on a serious cliffhanger and there isn't even an estimated publication date for the next book in the series yet. So book clamped is for when you are done with the series and you are sad about it. Anxtisipation is when you desperately want this next book but it's, you don't even know when it's coming out yet and you are stuck in this uh, sort of in-between place of feeling angsty about I like it. this word a lot for just life stuff, like things you're looking forward to, you know, but you're also mm-hmm. feeling like very angst-ridden about them. You yeah, know? you, just, like you a desperately big event. want it. Yeah, a big event, like something that you know is going to be, yeah, you really want it, but you're also feeling, yeah, anxious about it. Yes, right? this is it's it's the next level for me. It's like the next level up from anticipation. Anticipation is like, uh, I'm anticipating this thing, but I am like grumpy about it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh huh. Uh huh. The next one is uh, a biblioclept, which is a person who steals books. Is this is the person who you lend your book to, and I was they never say, bring it back? That's a big biblioclept. I think there definitely are unintentional bibliocleps in the world. 
people who mm-hmm. borrow books and then just completely forget to give them back. Yeah, totally. Um, but this is definitely, I, I, I see this word being used by like, this is what you can say when you're like, hey, don't be a biblioclep. Give me that book back. Mm-hmm. You've had You've had this book of mine for like two years. <laughs> give me that back. <laughs> yeah, I like this one a lot. What is the next one? It's one we like a lot. The next one is Redgret. Is it Redgret or Reedgret? I would say Reedgret, but I, I, I mean, I think whatever floats your boat. <laughs> <laughs> Reedgret is the feeling of fury or sadness for putting off a certain book until now when you should have read it years ago. Mm-hmm. This I actually see this in the reading glasses slack a lot. People are like, I'm reading, insert title here. I can't believe I've waited this long to finally read it. Uh, and that would be your read, Reedgret. I'm having a lot of regret, regret right now because I didn't start this, but I didn't read this book until just now. I would also argue you could use this word for like you started reading a book and you don't like it, but you haven't dumped it yet. You're like, oh, mm, having kind a lot of, of regretting regret starting word. this book. Mm-hmm. This mm-hmm. is very funny. All right. What's, what's the next one? The next one is deja vu, which is like deja vu. Uh, which is obviously we know what deja vu is. That's when you you're feeling you're experiencing something and you're like, this has already happened before, right? Um, this one refers to this comforting feeling that you're reading something you've already read. Also, could be called deja vu. I like I actually. Kind of like I like better. I like better. I like deja vu. Deja vu. Funny. I'm having deja vu. Have I already read this before? Sometimes for me, the answer is yes. I have read it and I forgot and I go back and I'm like, did I read this book? And I did read the book already. There's this book that I have checked out from the library a total of three fucking times (laughs) because, and you'll understand why, it's a haunted house book and it has a spooky haunted house on the cover and every, Mm. I'm like, I'll I'll be like scrolling through, sometimes I just like browsing on Libby and I will... um, uh, I'll just like put random stuff on hold. And then for some reason, I just keep forgetting that I didn't like this book. I've read, I, I've only read like 10 to 20 pages of it. And every time I'm like, yeah, this is really not for me. And then I return it to the library immediately. And then like six months later, I see this book and I'm like, ooh, spooky house, haunted <laughs> house, gotta get this. But I guess that wouldn't be page vu. That would be, because it would be real. I have read this before. Well, I feel like it should apply to both because I feel like I have, that happens to me more than I'm like, oh, have I read this? And I haven't. I feel like it's more that I have read it. I feel like that happens to me. I'm having some page vu and it is real. But maybe that's just some other sort of memory thing. I like this word though. Or sometimes like I'll be reading a book, like, you know, they're great example. I read a lot of haunted house stuff and I'm like, I feel I'm getting a little page vu here. I feel like Mm -hmm. this is very similar to another book that I've read. Um, oh, and people want the reason it's déjà vu. If you want to use that version, is because it's derived from the French verb. Ooh, I'm gonna say this wrong. Lire, lire. I don't know. Uh, it's no a French idea. verb. Um, that that's why it could be déjà vu as well. Um, so what is ne- our next one? We have a couple more. The next one is something I deeply relate to, and is something that I suffer from, and it's a bibliophobia. So mm-hmm. it's the fear of running out of things to read. And this I is. I feel like I have such a long list. I'll never run out. No, no, it's um, like it, I, I'm taking this as like, oh, you're on a plane and oh. <laughs> you've run out of stuff to read, which is why I always bring, even if I'm bringing my Kobo somewhere, I always bring a paper or a print book as a backup. Yeah, I do too. And same, same thing. Sometimes I'll let, I'll, I'll bring, I'll pack some print books and I'm like, oh, I should just bring my Kobo just in case. 
Well, you never know when your when your technology is going to fail you. You know, so you have or to. Or you're going to get stuck in an airport for mm-hmm. you know way longer than you than you anticipated. Uh, I, I definitely have a fear of running out of stuff to read. But not in like general. You don't have a bibliophobia in like your general life. Like you know you're going to have plenty to read Oh, in no. Your life. I know that I will literally never run out of like things to read in the abstract. But like in the real, in like physically, I definitely, oh, that's like the worst. Thing. And I also keep a backup book on my phone just in case. Yeah, sure. Of course. Well, yeah, me what, too. What's I the, mean, but I have Kindle. That's why. <laughs> yeah. Uh, what's the next one? Uh, the next one is... Sundoku, which is a Japanese term, it's the act of leaving a book unread after buying it. It's requiring uh, acquiring reading materials, but letting them pile up in one's home without reading them, which I'm going to say we're all pretty guilty of some I think Sundoku. literally everybody who listens to this show does this. <laughs> Very true. Y'all, I just had some built, bookshelves built and we put the books on, and they take up an entire wall of my house. Not enough. Not enough bookshelves. And it's because I have a lot of books There's that I'm just, like, enough. holding on to that I'm going to think I'm going to read. But I try to get rid of them every so often when I'm like, I'm just not going to read this. I will say the stack that's been, like, my—oh, it's a verb. I've been—part of my sundokuing <laughs> has involved a book that I did start reading this last week. So I will say I That's did. the thing is eventually I do, most of the time, eventually I will read something. Even like I've gotten books and then like five years later been like, oh, now is the perfect time to read this thing. But every mm-hmm. once in a while I'm like, mm, I have been, there's a couple books like when we moved last year, I was like, I have been, car- I carried this book from Brooklyn to L.A., for five, six years in LA and I still have not read it, it's probably time to say goodbye. <laughs> yeah, that's that's when you know. That's when you know. Uh, what, is it, what is our next one, Mallory? All right. The next one is extremely silly. It is Smellbound. Oh, yeah, great. Mm-hmm. So it's when you are captivated by the scent of books. So if you are, as many of us can be, if you go into a used bookstore and you're like, oh, yeah, love the smell, you are smellbound. <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I love it. I love it. Which I feel like, yeah. I mean, we've tried to replicate the smell of books with candles, with perfumes. Like, we love it. Nothing quite. It's something no. we talked about a little bit. Nothing quite gets there. No. No. Uh, what, what's the last one? The last one is self-righteous. Shelf-righteous. Sorry. Which is like self-righteous. Shelf-righteous. The feeling, a feeling of superiority over one's bookshelf. <laughs> Which is, I mean, we we would call these book snoots. Uh huh. Book snoots. Yeah. Book snoots are very shelf righteous. Like what you've read to could be. Uh, they're a little shelf righteous. Yeah. I uh, I actually it's because it sounds. I mean, book snoots just like funny. But if you meet someone that's that's like, oh yeah, I've only read Infinite Jest. You can be like, mm, you're being a little shelf righteous. Uh huh. Uh huh. Uh huh. Yeah. Um, Bria. So. We've gone through this very hilarious list of words. Are there any of these that you would actually use? I mean, I already, I feel like shelfy has been integrated into my yes. vocabulary. I think Agreed. this is just a regular word we all use now. It is, yeah, we're all taking the shelfies, particularly during um, the pandemic when, you know, you see people on Zoom and it was like everything was a shelfie because everyone wanted to put their books or something cool behind mm-hmm. them. Um, but I do feel like the regret 
book or regret. I'm going to say regret. Um, I like that one a lot. There's so many books that I feel like I start reading and then I'm like, why did I not read this earlier? People told me I would like it. And then I read it and I'm like, ah, if I'd read this earlier, it could have entered my life earlier. But to be fair, it's entering my life now, which is also good. <laughs> you know, yeah. the book finds you at the time you need the book. <laughs> yeah, um, I agree. Uh, what about you? Is there one that you think you'll you'll actually use? Uh, well, shelfie. So, I feel like Shelfie. Shelfie, you know, we all, I, Shelfie has yeah. definitely been integrated seamlessly into the book world. Um, I really like Page Vu. I think I'm going to use that next time mm-hmm. I'm reading something that I'm like, have I read this before? Um, a Bibliophobia. I, I feel like, I, I feel like I've used this term before because it's definitely something that I, I say suffer from, but it means that I always have books to read. Yeah, so yeah, it's not mean, a bad yeah, thing. Is, uh, I mean, it does mean that I, I mean, before I got a Kobo, I, when I traveled, I mean, my books were, oh, yeah. it was Tell just lots books. and very heavy luggage. Uh, my uh, best friend, Lauren, ha- t- took a really funny photo of me while I, w- well, we, we went to Paris together years ago and it's me shoving books as hard as I can into the backpack that I was traveling around Paris with because I didn't want to be without them. Um, so that, a bibliophobia, and I think we're, Regret, regret. I can't like once I get a handle on how to pronounce that word. I think I will also be using it because it's something mm-hmm. I do feel a lot. I'm like, why did I not? Why didn't I not read this before? Mm-hmm. Was this too buzzy before? And I couldn't. And like, I didn't want to read it while I was too buzzy. And now, then I forgot about it. And then now it's been five years. And this is actually a really, really good book. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, so, I think that's a good one. That feels like one that we're both going to be using. L- yes. But listen, wait, stay tuned on the show. Who knows? Who knows? So, folks, if you um, use any of these words, please let us know. If you also have very specific words for book things, we want to know what they are so we can try to use them ourselves. Write in, send them all to readingglassespodcast at gmail.com. And before we review some bookmarks, we're going to take a quick break. Reading Glasses is sponsored in part this week by Dipsy Stories. Bria, What is a great app to try if maybe you are interested in erotica or romance, but you're not sure where to start and you want something short to see if you like it? Dipsy, obviously. Dipsy is an app full of sexy audio stories, and now they have brand new written stories. It's all very exciting. If it's something that you're looking for, you want to not stress, you just want to ease into things, you don't want to scroll, you want to just ease into a nice moment, And maybe explore some new things. Explore romance. Explore something that you haven't actually explored before. Dipsy is perfect. Yes, maybe it is. You're on your lunch break and you want to, you know, get something that will let you escape. You are getting ready to go to bed and you want something, something sexy that isn't going, you know, isn't a gigantic novel, something that's easy to dip into. You can close your eyes and get yourself lost in the world of Dipsy where only good things happen. We love Dipsy. They've sponsored the show a bunch. We are nuts about their app. Uh, Something I've talked about before on the show is my personal favorite part of Dipsy is that you can search for your sexy wheelhouse and because the stories are short and um, uh, really well curated you can it makes it really really easy to experiment with maybe you want to try a story with a narrator that someone has who has like a sexy accent maybe you want to get into some kinky stories and maybe you don't want to listen even though that I will say the narrators are amazing there are now written stories and we know how voracious uh, hardcore uh, erotica and romance fans are 
So don't worry, there are hundreds of stories to choose from and they release new content every week. Every single week you are getting new stories to listen to. Uh, so there's always more to explore. We absolutely love this. And this is the thing that's cool about Dipsy is that it's perfect for people for like romance and erotica veterans, but it's also great if you're like, ah, I've heard all this great stuff about romance and erotica. I've always wanted to try it out, um, but I don't know where to start. I don't know what I like. That's something I hear a lot from people is like, I want to try out romance and erotica, but I just don't know what I like. Dipsy is absolutely perfect for this. So for listeners of the show, Dipsy is offering an extended 30-day free trial when you go to dipsystories.com slash glasses. That's 30 days of full access for free. Free. All you have to do is go to dipsy, D-I-P-S-E-A, stories.com slash glasses. Dipsystories.com slash glasses. Glasses. I listen to Bullseye because Jesse always has really good questions. What did John Malkovich wear when he was 20? <laughs> I don't know how to describe it. There's always that moment where Jesse asks a question that the person he's interviewing has not thought of before. I don't think anyone's ever said that to me or acknowledged that to me, and that is so real. Bullseye, interviews with creators you love and creators you need to know. From MaximumFun.org and NPR. Now let's test out some book tech, advances in bookish technology. This week, we're testing out some bookmarks, and we all know that you love that. So oh, these yeah. bookmarks were made and sent to us by a listener, but for the fucking life of me, I searched in our inbox, I searched in our book tech spreadsheet, I searched all around for a piece of paper. I cannot find their email or their name. Please email us if this is you. I, what I think happened is we got these right before I moved. Yeah, I, it, yeah, and they also went to Maximum Fun, so I we don't have, like, a record of them because, I, I don't know. Normally, I put things directly into the book tech sheet when we get them, and I just didn't do it, and that's... So, it, we're sorry. This is on us. This, this it's, it's totally on us. I think that's exactly what happened because I actually remember this person emailing us, but I searched every possible term that I could think of, and I could not find this email. But regardless, we're excited. They made these bookmarks, and... um. We tested them out and uh, we're excited to tell you about them because these, so these bookmarks, they don't just go in a book, Bria. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. They go around a book. That's right. Mm -hmm. uh, so that what they are, it's basically instead of just like one piece of paper, they're bands of thick, black, stretchy ribbon that you slide sort of vertically around your book at the part you left off. Uh, it also has a little charm attached to it, which is very cute. Uh, so Bria, what did you think of these? I think they're super functional. It's like a rubber band for your book, if that makes sense. It's basically like, yes. what do you hold bags of chips together with? Do you have chip clips? Chip clip? or do you have a chip clip? I do rubber bands. I just like oh, roll we, it we down. Do, we do rubber bands too. We've done them both. This is a similar kind of idea, it's, except it holds a place in your book. But it's cuter than what you're thinking. Like, it's not a rubber band. They're little black, like, stretchy things with charms on them. Um, I have one concern about them, which is that I would lose them. Like, they might get easily mixed up with, like, my, like, box of hair bands or something. And, like, <laughs> so I would be like, what is this? Why is this in my hair band box? You know? So I think that that is one concern. But I thought I'd do the bookmark scale because it's kind of funny for these. Rigidity, they get a zero. 
<laughs> but it doesn't matter because that's not the point. Thickness, also maybe like a one, but it doesn't matter because d- different kind. Uh, stamina, I think they could be pretty, pretty, what is the word so for dr- stamina? Stamina St- is how well it stays in your book. Oh, 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 right. Okay, that's right. Um, I think this could be good, uh, the stamina. I have high, super wicked high marks for stamina. Yeah, very high marks. Maybe that's a five. And durability, I think this is, they could be pretty, I don't, wouldn't expect them to last forever because I think they're going to run out of stretch if you used them like every single day. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think it was good still like a four. Aesthetic, I'm going to go like three. They're not like something you'd put on display, but they're not, you know. The charm does make it cute. Length, five. They could be any length. Although, I was thinking if you had a big, giant book, like a book the size of like a torso. Yeah, then like. (laughs) If you're reading an ancient spell book bound in human flesh, this is not going to work for you. Then you're going to end up with a problem. But I think for overall, these ones specifically are are, going to fit most size books. Do you agree? Yes. Oh, Oh, I totally agreed. All right, so those are my scales with an average of about about a four or five because I'm going to say rigidity and thickness don't really matter on these ones. These are not that kind of bookmark. They're a new, they're a new kind of technology, a future bookmark, if you will. Yeah, you're living out, out here living in 3022. 3022. Wow, <laughs> Mallory. We won't even read books then. They'll just be beamed into our heads. Uh, <laughs> what, what did you think of these? Uh, I think these are really cute. What I think they're perfect for is for the traveling reader. Um, they, cause they will not be falling out of your book. And that's yeah, why I really true. like them because and my, my, uh, thing about this is that it does take a few extra seconds to like finagle them. Cause you're like putting half of the book into this band and kind of sliding the band up to the spine. So it does take a few extra seconds compared to like throwing a, a paper bookmark in there. So I don't think it's, maybe it's not necessary for when you're reading at home in the living room, unless you're, maybe you drop your book on the floor a lot. Um, but it's just not really necessary when you're home. But I, <laughs> I really was picturing think- someone dropping their book while they were reading. But you mean like you accidentally like knock it off a shelf or something. Either yeah, way, it's well, funny. I, <laughs> what happens to me a lot actually is that I like put my book on the edge of the couch and Sailor or Lula will knock yeah. them over. Mm-hmm. So sometimes that happens to me. But um, I do think these would be perfect if you're the kind of person who keeps a book in a tote bag frequently. Yeah. Uh, if you like, you always have a book in your bag and you don't have like a book bow or one of those other things, like a, a little sleeve for your book. Um, obviously you don't need it for an e-reader, but for a print book, this is perfect because it just won't, it's not going to slide out. It's literally mm-hmm. like a book belt. Um, so I'd say like maybe four pages for at home and then five out of five for traveling. Great. And so if you if this is if if this is you, if you are the book band maker, please let us know and we will talk about it again on the show to t- say who you are and if you have an Etsy store for these, uh plug it so people can um can go check these out. I again, I if you are a book tote person, I think these are perfect. Mhm. So you can send your book tech ideas to reading glasses podcast at gmail.com or check out our book tech wish list in the show notes. Um, actually, I will I want to say right now in the reading glasses Facebook group, somebody put um, this TikTok of a woman who put her e-reader on a stand and got like a remote control thing that can flip the pages. And they were like, oh my God, Mallory and Brie, you got to test this out. So I put, we put those things onto the Amazon wish list, and I really want Bria to test them out. So <laughs> check in the show notes. If you, if you use an app that doesn't show the show notes, I think, um, 
like uh, I know Spotify does it. There's some there's some podcast apps that don't show the show notes. All you got to do is go to MaximumFun.org, go to the Reading Glasses page. There's an episode page for every single episode we've ever done with all the show notes. Check it out on there and uh, someone get those for Bria because I really wanted her to test them out. <laughs> It's time to solve a bookish problem from one of our listeners. Ethan writes in, I have a reader problem that is also kind of a writer problem. I'm working on a book of my own and it's impacted the way I read stories, giving me something I've started to refer to as writer FOMO, where when I read something that's really good, I start to worry about my own writing skills not being as good as the author's or any good in general, which can pull me out of a story I'm really enjoying. It's especially bad with things that are in my wheelhouse since the stuff I enjoy reading is the same stuff I want to write about. As published authors, have you ever experienced this or something similar? How should I conquer the feeling that I will never be as good as the authors I enjoy. Bria, you want to read Ethan's Wheelhouse? Yeah, it's MLM romance. That's multi-level marketing romance. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. <laughs> I said, somebody please write me an MLM, MLM romance where this these two our, guys who are both running my multi-level marketing schemes are falling in love with each other. Uh, fantasy, both urban and high. Um, in-depth world building, young heroes winning against corrupt systems, snarky protagonists, the interior lives of gay and bi men, found family, messy fantasy, politics slash royal family drama, and good old-fashioned save the world stories. Love it. Bria, what should Ethan do with this? Um, wow. Ethan has really nailed the artist conundrum because we love a type of art so we consume that type of art, but then we also get into making that type of art and we're like, why didn't I think to do that? The thing that I love that I'm watching right now or I'm reading right now or I'm looking at it in a museum right now. And we get discouraged because someone has already done the thing that we're like, oh, I was going to do that. Or, or, and maybe they made it better than any idea we've ever had. And this is, you are not alone, Ethan. This is the daily artist conundrum. I mean, I, Mallory and I are both writers and we read a ton. I mean, both of us have worked in film. I, I will tell you, every time I watch a movie, I think to myself, God, I wish I could make something that good. <laughs> like you just, it is a constant thought running through your brain at any time. But I'm going to tell you what I tell myself, but it is very hard. And so like, I understand if you have trouble with it. Um, but there's no need to think in a scarcity model when it comes to this kind of stuff. There is enough room for every voice. There's enough room for every type of story. And within each, I mean, look at your wheelhouse. Like, there is enough room for many uh, fantasy, urban fantasies. We haven't run out of urban fantasies, even though there are so many good urban fantasies. So you can still write in those genres. And I just want to remind you that storytelling is very important to humans. And if it it is important because if it even resonates with one person— uh, in, then it is good and it is important and it is it is important for us as people, which I feel like we've learned significantly during the pandemic because the first thing we all did was go read books and watch TV when things shut down. Um, and it's okay if the story just resonates with you. That's also okay. Expressing yourself for your own sake is good for you. And you never know who else you might be touching. So I'm just saying... You got to let yourself off the hook for this. Pretty much every story has every already been told. All the stories have been told. There's already, these are told, they've been done in some way, shape, or form. Um, but there's room for you and your unique voice adding whatever you want to add to these stories. Um, and I think if you can try to take this stuff as inspiration, 
you know, like things that you can take and use in your own work or be inspired by in your own work in whatever way, then that is one way to look at these things when you find them in the wild. If you find a wild story, a wild (laughs) story running free and you're like, that was mine or that's better than anything I'll ever do. But also it gives you something to hope for because you know you were inspired by this or you were moved by this and you can hope your work does the same for somebody else, even if it is in that same genre. And again, you're also saying like, oh, this is that genre I wanted to be working in. Well, there's a bunch of other people who also love that genre. You know, like if you read something that is urban fantasy, I'm just going to keep harping on that. And you're like, I wish I had written that. Why did I not write something this good? There are people out there thinking, I just want more of this. So like, you can definitely find people who just want that same genre. But I just want to let you know, normal reaction. Don't feel bad about it. Just take this stuff as inspiration. Use it as a way to fuel your creative fire and to keep yourself going because you know there are people out there who are making something similar to you or something inspirational to you, and you just want to do the same. Mallory, what do you think? I feel like you agree. I have, I mean, I totally agree. It's also, what's the first thing that we all do when we read something great? We're like, oh, I want more of this. Yeah, I <laughs> want more. Give me more. Yeah, uh-huh, uh-huh. That's, all, that's, all any, that's all any of us do. I mean, we get literally thousands of emails from people that are like, I just read this book and I want more of it. What are other <laughs> books that are like this? Yeah, uh-huh, 100%. Uh, but yeah, echoing Bria, this happens to all writers. It's definitely a thing and it's fine. This happens to me when I read really good nonfiction books. Literally every time I read a Mary Roach book, I'm like, why did I not do this? Mm-hmm. Why am I not Mary Roach? Um, and of course, there's a deeper question here because this happens with all parts of life, whether it's how you write or how you look or whatever, you know. We all know comparison is the thief of joy, but, it, you know, it just still happens. The thing that really helps me is remembering that my very best asset as a writer is myself. Yeah. Um, those authors that you love are extremely good at being themselves and writing in their own particular style. And even if you're right, if you try to write exactly like that, you'd never be as good because you're not them. But mm-hmm. if those writers ever tried to write in your style, it would not be good because they're never going to be as good at being you. There's something very special and unique in everyone's writing style and you've got to find what that is for you and hone it. Um, sometimes I read really serious nonfiction and think I'll never be like this. I'll never be a serious writer. And then, and it's true, I won't. Uh, my, I mean, I am a serious writer. That is my job, but you know, my writing is more accessible and it's filled with jokes and sarcasm and swears. And I just, I do my best to lean into it. When I, when I first started writing my first book, Lady from the Black Lagoon, I tried so hard to make it serious, like other biographies that I had read from other authors that I admire, but it just didn't work. Literally months it took and I kept trying and it just did not work. It was not me. It was like pulling fucking teeth. And I finally just let myself do it my way. And you know what? People seem to like it because now I'm a best-selling author. Mm-hmm. You, you just have to find that unique thing or really think of the unique thing you love about those authors and then try to think about what's unique about your own writing because that's the thing that your readers are going to love about you and it's so it's not I what I would do is read authors and see read authors that you love and go wow this is amazing and instead of looking at that exact thing that makes them unique and wanting to emulate it look at that exact thing that makes them unique and want to find your own unique thing and be as good Mm -hmm. at that yeah, you know, and I think it ta- it's this is not an easy task. No, like knowing who you are and what you have to offer is not easy to know. And you probably any and if you're writing your first book, you may not know. And uh, I don't remember if Ethan said they'd written more than one book, but um, I I mean I think 
it, and I think it changes from book to book what you, mm-hmm. wh- who you are in the same way we were talking about wheelhouse is changing. I think like you are going to have different things to offer the world at different times. So I think don't, don't feel pressure to, you know, put yourself in a box either. Cause I yeah. think that's the one thing I, I mean, I get angry at Hollywood for is that like mm-hmm. people get thrown into these very specific boxes and it's like all they can offer the world. And that's not true. Like you have a lot to offer. You have a lot of different experiences. Um, but I think Mallory's totally right. Like using these for inspiration, Finding yeah. finding what's inspiring about this book for you. But there's plenty to write. There's, there's room. so much. There's is so much room. A hundred percent room. Look at how many fucking haunted house books I've read. That's yeah. all and every time I finish a haunted house book, you know what I say? I want another haunted house book. Yeah. Give exactly. Me that exactly. Book. <laughs> exactly. So let's hope Ethan's writing a haunted house book. <laughs> Seriously. <laughs> With uh, uh ooh, it's a multi-level marketing scheme selling haunted houses and the people who live in them are hot gay men. Ooh, I'm sold. Yeah, give me that book. Uh, so if you want us to solve your reader problem, or in this case, sometimes a writer problem, you can send it to readingglassespodcast at gmail.com. As always, we want to thank the wonderful mods who run our Facebook group and Chrissy and Rachel who moderate our Goodreads page. Remember, if you want to support us, help us feed our cats and show off your bookishness, ooh, we need to come up with a word for, I mean, this whole episode is about specific words. We need to come up with like a word for bookish, bookish fashion Mm. I can't do it off the top of my head. Something about no. book style, reader style. Okay. If you if you have an idea for that, please write in and let us know. But if you want to show up your whatever word it is, you can go to our Void March store. There are totes and shirts and stickers and all kinds of cool stuff. We absolutely love it. And again, remember, it actually helps support us. Uh, mm-hmm. There's a link in the show notes to that. And if you like the show and want to support us for free, you can rate and review us on Apple Podcasts, iTunes, wherever you uh, rate and review podcasts. It's great for us. It helps us reach more listeners. It helps us get more sponsors. You can email us at readingglassespodcast at gmail.com. Find us on Twitter at readinggpodcast, on Instagram at readingglassespodcast. Thanks for listening and thanks, thanks for, for reading. reading.